Podstarter. So welcome back to the Podstarter podcast, Reese. Welcome, John. This podcast, this conversation that you had, I have very little knowledge about. I think you've done this conversation in a in a black box. <laughs> so I spoke to a fellow uh, British person called Mark Asquith, who's CEO of Rebel Base Media. It was a, an interview across the pond. That's why we don't know about it. Yeah, yeah it's top secret. Um, no Canadians allowed. <laughs> Mark Asquith, CEO of Rebel Base Media and Captive... Captivate FM. FM. So he he's really built. He really specialises in um, creating platforms that are user focused. Uh, he uh, Captivate.fm is is kind of a, a hosting platform, but he's tried to completely uh, make a unique experience that is prioritised around the user's needs rather than necessarily, um, you know, uh, you know, so, some some RSS hosts can be quite antiquated and not user friendly. He's tried to to kind of uh, rewrite all that, uh, and also he's um, he's a big fan of websites for podcasts and a big advocate for how important uh, an online presence is for a podcast. His marketing content is phenomenal. Yes. It frequently <laughs> comes through my feed. I recommend listening to or subscribing to some of his newsletters, even his Facebook groups that he's created. It is a great thought leadership um, conversation for podcasters. Yeah, he's prolific and he's always got something to, to talk about. And he seems to know everyone globally in the podcasting community he's he's a real uh mover and shaker i think and and he you know he's got some really interesting insights he's got some very clear ideas on what podcasting kind of can be and what it should you know develop into and what opportunities there are and um yeah he's a, he's a really interesting voice to listen to so why did uh, why did you reach out to have a conversation with him i i, I think it was because um it's one of those things where sometimes sometimes people don't think about the the podcast outside of the RSS feed, and it's something Mark is, is has always been a huge advocate for. He's somebody who says uh, and provides you know web services and and creating really engaging websites that only add value to your podcast and and how essential that is to to being found to 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 grow in to engaging people. Um, it's just uh, an interesting perspective. This is a conversation that you and I have had at length. The talk about a podcast isn't just an RSS feed. It's not just a one-stop one shop. There's that notion that uh, building content and conversations and community occurs in many different places. Yeah, exactly. And so one of the things that, that Mark's been able to do is actually amplify that, is to be able to take a podcast and build out content calendars, micro content, where your audience is. Yeah, and I, and I think he's one of the... He's been one of the pioneers in the industry who's really honed that and promoted it as a as an essential part of of podcasters who who take podcasting and audience growth seriously. So, for our listeners, what can they expect to learn from this conversation? I think they, they'll come away hopefully rethinking or at least uh, going back and revisiting their online presences uh, and how how they're um, how they're being uh, visible to their listeners online. Um, maybe maybe they'll just confirm you're already doing a great job, or maybe it'll make you fundamentally want to change how you do things. But I think um, his perspective will be interesting. 
It reminds me of one of the lessons that we had learned early on. Uh, I, can't, I wish I could remember who had told us this, that had talked about 50% of your time and energy should be in the production of a podcast. The other 50% should be in the promotion and distribution and marketing of your podcast. Yeah, it's like Hollywood movies, half the budget is making the movie, half the budget is making people turn up to buy a ticket. Right, right, right. So uh, I hope you enjoyed the uh, conversation uh, with Reese Waters uh, talking to Mark Asquith, CEO of Rebel Base Media. So uh, with me today is Mark Asquith, who is CEO of Rebel Base Media in the UK and more famously known as as that British podcast guy, I believe. Um, you're a, a global speaker. You've done TEDx talks. You've been at Podcast Movement. You have seven podcasts, I think. Um, I might have, unless I've miscounted. Uh, you, you run a hosting platform, Captivate.fm. You have a podcast studio space in Sheffield. And you just seem so immersed in the podcast world. So so welcome and thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me, Reese. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I suppose when you say it like that, it sounds like I do a heck of a lot of stuff. But really, I just do podcasts. <laughs> you know, I'm just a podcast guy. That's <laughs> The most accurate job description for me is that British podcast guy, like rather than any of that other stuff that's on LinkedIn, because apparently you've got to fill your LinkedIn profile up. Like the, the most accurate description just is that podcast description. So yeah, yeah nice work on covering all that, dude. <laughs> I wanted to be thorough because uh, I feel like you, you're one of those people who's always got, uh, you always see new opportunities emerging and, and seem to run with it and experiment and try things out. So uh, I wanted to give that impression at least. Did I miss <laughs> well, anything? Thank you. No, no, no. You nailed it, man. You nailed it. <laughs> so you started uh, on this on this journey in your early 20s when you, you quit your job and immerse yourself in kind of digital media production. Can you tell us a little bit about about your story and your background into uh, how how you ended up where you are today? Yeah, definitely. So I uh, I used to, well, I suppose it, actually before I start that, it depends how far back we go. So I, I'll kind of go real <laughs> kind of in a nutshell stuff. I in two thousand and five I quit my job. So I was twenty two at the time when I quit, um, and I I kind of I'd got a job in in Leeds that was all right. And then I got an upgraded job in Sheffield, which turned out just to be as all right. And, and, you know, I was there for about three hours and realized it was actually just, there was no way I could do this forever. So I just left just that day, got up and left and, you know, I've not been in an office since. Um, and I kind of, I kind of bluffed my way into a few things. Like I, um, <laughs> I, I was a digital trainer. I was a project manager. I was business change analyst and really looked out early on to become a freelancer in that regard. So like 23, 24, um, I was I was a, a contractor doing all that sort of stuff. And in my spare time, because I was in a band, because that's what all the cool kids do, apparently, I was in a band and we needed a website for the band. So I spoke to my mate who worked um, for a, he worked, actually worked for the council in their web department. I said to him, look, mate, do you mind helping us out? Sort us out a couple of page website and I'll, uh, you know, there's a few beers in it, you know, just a mate's thing. No, no, no. He, like, he quoted me 800 quid. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> Come on, mate. And uh, uh, so that what I did then was like that entire summer, I immersed myself in web. So I, I kind of became this hermit for about a year and learned how to build websites and learn how to code everything from action script in action script two in flash right through to uh, basic HTML. And then, you know, inevitably then progressed up through uh, into building all sorts of things for the web. Um, 
and kind of got started in digital like that. And then me being me, rather than saying, I'll get a job as a web designer, I thought I'll start my own business. Um, and that became a, a, a digital agency that we ran for a decade. You know, we, we worked with Apple, um, we worked with Adobe, we worked with Bosch, New York Times, we've done stuff for um, Fortune magazine covers and all sorts of random things. And then towards the back end of that business, I was getting a little bit disenchanted with it, uh, got a little bit bored of it, uh, you know, always going out and doing the same kind of pictures to people. That's just when I started to get into podcasting in 2013. And, uh, you know, since then, it's kind of history. I've been in podcasting ever since and, and do what I do now because of it, really. Um, obviously, you got into podcasting and I believe you started out with a, uh, a DC Comics podcast. So at what point did you realize that uh, a passion project could become uh, the new opportunity for you, I suppose? Well, that was kind of by accident. Um, so I, I, I did, I did the, the DC show, Two Shots to the Head, and then I moved um, very quickly into doing my own show at the agency and, and, and realized there was a gap in the market for getting podcasters who want to create a good, strong, personally branded presence online and really focus it around their podcast. There was no real way of them easily being able to do that on WordPress, which is the, the option that they all wanted was to create it on WordPress. So being a WordPress agency and being a podcaster, we just put podcast websites together. Kieran and I, uh, we worked with JLD from EO Fire on it in the early days up until, even up until last year. Um, and, you know, we did some great work together and, and, and we still run podcast websites to this day. And that, that's a wonderful product that serves a really targeted audience. And it does a great, great job. And that was the first foray into it. So it was, it was, I'm, I'm one of those people that <laughs> like, I get a little bit too obsessed with something. Like I started photography a couple of years ago, cause I've always wanted to do it. I got a camera, um, because we do YouTube stuff. And I thought, you know what, what happens if I just took pictures with it and learned to took good, take good pictures with it. So inevitably being the kind of person I am, I was like, I'll set a website up, set an Instagram profile up, like I'll do it whole hog. So that, that was, that was why I got into podcasting because that's just my nature. Like that's what I do. I, 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 just, I just get too deep into things. <laughs> it's no going back then. You could just have to pursue it. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. No going back. <laughs> <laughs> and what is it, um, about podcasting that you think enables people to build that brand in a way that you maybe can't with other formats? Well, I think there's a couple of different a couple of different ways to tackle that um, because we're in a very pivotal time for podcasting and that things are changing, you know, things are developing where maybe it's not going to be as open as it always has been. And I think this is the beauty of podcasting up to this point, And certainly hopefully as this progresses is that it's just such an open medium in that you can honestly just do really what you want to do. Sure, you've got a bit of regulation. You've got a little bit of people saying what you can and can't do when it comes to, well, you know, you can't really talk about X, Y, Z because Apple will kick you or Spotify will remove you. Um, but those topics that are generally off limits are off limits for a really good reason. So I think it's that freedom and that flexibility. And also the fact that you can talk about whatever the heck you want when you want to talk about it. You can actually dig into whatever topic you want and there will be an audience there for you that wants to also talk about it um and i think that you know that it's probably equal to youtube it's equal to blogging in the way that you can target a niche but the the, the fascinating thing with podcasting is it's the only real medium in my view that allows you to build this really intimate connection with your audience uh, and i think that you know those those few things combined combined are really why podcasting has taken a turn and upturn over the last few years um and it's it's even though there's so much money flowing through it at the minute and starting to become really you know a big business 
it's just so so attractive still to individuals and creatives and people that want to talk about DC comics. So it's just it's it's this bizarre little medium where you can kind of live your own little bubbled life, which is fascinating to me. It's great, and also um, like people in their own little bubbles can find people who want to share that bubble in the most unlikely places as well, which is is a real celebration of like niche interests and just bizarre passions, which is great. Yeah, it is. And that, that's the, the real beauty of it is that, it, like I said, there is an audience for everything, for everything. You know, I don't know one podcast that hasn't got one download. I can't think of one, you know, and I run a podcast hosting company. I see downloads all day, all day long. I know what's up. I know what's down. And I can't think of one podcast that doesn't have an audience because that's the beauty of the medium. So you're right. You know, you can, I could start a podcast about chewing gum and someone would listen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's already five. So. Exactly, yeah, I got, 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 some, got some competition. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, uh, you, you've touched on this in terms of your um, expertise around uh, websites and podcasts, and, and it's not something that people automatically jump to as something that is a requirement for their podcast. How important do you feel that really good web presence is and that integration with a website is for, for a podcast to grow? Well, I think it's like anything, you know, if you're genuinely serious about something, you need as much exposure and as much capability of, of being found um, as possible. And, and if you don't have that, it becomes a problem. And <clears throat> excuse me, you always end up on the back foot. You know, you end up end up trying to remedy things later. So I always think, you know, you've got to start things as you mean to go on. It's like I mentioned with that photography lark. You know, I love photography. I'm not very good at it, but I love it. So I figured I may as well start a website for it and showcase some of my work because if I don't do that, then there's nothing, there's nothing really to push me. There's no reason for me to get better because no one sees it. Um, but also there's the discoverability issue as well with podcasting. You know, you want to really amass this arsenal of content where if people are searching for the Chewing Gum podcast, you know, you've got as much chance of being found as anyone else. If, if you limit yourself without a website, that's exactly what you are doing, limiting yourself and you, you're making it more difficult to be found, which no one wants as a podcaster because, you know, our goal is to generate listenership. Um, so it's, it's, it's like anything, you know, it's rare that you'd start a business without at least one single landing page. And that's why, you know, not to go product on you, but, you know, that's why Captivate.fm, our hosting platform, our hosting product comes with inbuilt, very simply automated websites that look absolutely amazing, but you don't have to do any work. And it's also why, you know, the other variant, podcast websites, which is WordPress for podcasters, that's a whole other level of website. You know, it's a whole other highly customized option for podcasters. And the point is that for such a long time, people were saying that, well, you know, I don't really need a website because it's too much work. And that was fine when there was 150,000 podcasts because there weren't five other chewing gum podcasts. I could start one and probably be the only one. But now there'll be 1.1 million over the next month. So competition's more difficult and you have to have all of your bases covered and a website is one of the main bases that you should cover. So yeah, it's, it's very, very important to, to build something with a website in mind when it comes to podcasting. Now, you mentioned Captivate.fm again and you have built your own hosting platform. And obviously when people first start out, 
um, and they kind of learn that hosting is a thing they need to have and they learn about RSS feeds and you look at like Podbean and all these other options. What was the um, urge you felt to build your platform? Because I feel like fundamentally you've built it in a slightly different way from those other platforms. What was the motivation or the opportunity you saw with that? So we've been in podcasting for a long time, you know, a heck of a long time. And we've we've seen the good, the bad, the ugly of podcast hosting. And 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 being a podcast company that didn't just host, so a podcast website was a podcast host, but it only hosted for its own people. And we just saw opportunities. We've been in the, in, in the industry long enough now to know what people really intuitively want. Um, and to really, you know, when someone says they want something, we've, we've got this ability now to understand what they truly mean, you know, what are they actually asking for. So we built Captivate to really become simple for people. You know, there's no sense in it being a, a complex platform, you know. Complex podcasting pl- platforms are just they need to be a thing of the past because they're holding on to a, a, a past where podcasting was complex that gave these hosting companies some power. And it's not like that anymore. It's, it's democratized. Everything's much more open. Everything's much easier. So we built it with that in mind, but also we built it with a growth in mind. You know, we don't just want to take your files and host them and give you an RSS feed and tell you analytics. Our goal is to build tools that actively enable you to do more for your audience. And, that's why we really focused on the name Captivate. You know, we want you to be captivating to your audience, but also the, the ability to just kind of dispel some of the stuff that you were just having to put up with as a podcaster because there was nothing else there, like bad interfaces and weird pricing models and condescending customer support because someone's been in the industry for 20 years and, you know, they think they know better. Like, the, 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 it's, not, it's not an industry anymore that should be approached like that. You know, it's a much more democratic, it's a much more open and friendly industry now. So Captivate is a product of that new wave of podcasting. Um, and that's why we did it. You know, we, we spent a lot of time getting that messaging right, a lot of time getting the interface right and the product right. And it, it works for people. People like it because of all those things that I've just said. Now, that's that's one of the things that I always struggle with when, when we're talking to our clients and we're discussing where to host it. I'm, I'm never... I've never kind of overly like, hey, this is the perfect one for you to use. I w- There's always kind of pros and cons to each one and which one to use. So it's good to know that you're kind of disrupting that marketplace in that way. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's something that we believe in doing. That's awesome. And you, you've also got a new product, haven't you? Just just to make sure you weren't busy enough. Um, tell me about productivity, because it sounds like you've seen another gap in the market with it, which I think is quite interesting, looking at how people can actually interpret the data of their downloads in a meaningful way is a very difficult thing to get your head around in podcasting for certain. Um, and I'm one of those people who uses lots of different sites to get information. There's no real easy way of pulling it all into one place necessarily. So um, could you tell, tell me a bit about productivity? Only a very little bit, because it is still under wraps at the minute. <laughs> we're a, we're, yeah, we're in a very early stage alpha at the minute. We've got a few <laughs> things going on. Um, but it's really around interaction. So it's not necessarily around... Um, it's not necessarily around kind of pulling all your data in. It, it, it is much more around um, how do people work with your podcast? How do people interact with it? And what can you do um, to make that experience easier. So it is very much in the interaction space and helping you to engage more with your audience, but that's probably as far as I can go with it at the minute. <laughs> that's fine. We'll have to have you back when, when you launch, you can tell us all the, <laughs> all the details about it. That sounds like a plan. 
Yeah. Um. And one of one of the one of the stats that um like really I find really interesting is the the, the like Spotify does it quite well. Um. The, the 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 knowledge of knowing how long people are listening for where the drop off is in your episodes and and that kind of information as well so how how important do you think is it for people to to go beyond just download figures what what are the things people should look for in your mind uh, to know that people are actually buying into the the content they're putting out well, I think there's two real ways to look at that there's the whole content analysis like Apple and Google and Spotify are doing uh, and that's you know that we could get into a whole other conversation about that. Um, about whether it's a good thing that Spotify gives you that data, in particular Spotify, um, because of how they're generally approaching podcasting. But that's that's for another day. Um, but I think it's important to analyze the content, yes, and see where people are dropping off, and yes, see what people are doing and pe- what people aren't doing. But I think more importantly, we've got, what we've got to figure out is actually how do we generate our own engagement metrics? How do we figure out what we can do to get people to engage with us that aren't just listener statistics or drop-off statistics. You know, we need to be able to also figure out what people are genuinely doing when we ask them to do it. Um, and I think that that is important. It's something that not many people even consider. And that's not anything that um, can be standardized, really. It has to be something that we that we devise ourselves as, as, as podcasters who are also marketers. Um, and that's, that's one of the main things is that we've got to really figure out how to become marketers when it comes to um, being a podcaster. No one tells us when we become a podcaster that we have to be a marketer, but we do. We really need to learn, you know, what are the what are the real indicators that our show is performing? And it's not just what people listen to. And just like any other marketer, it's up to us to de- design and devise the campaigns and the metrics and the measurements that matter to us. Now, I know that's a very kind of long-winded and quite a broad explanation, but I think it's a concept or certainly a, a frame of mind that a lot of podcasters really need to start getting on board with. No, I, I know exactly what you mean. I'm, one of the shows I used to work on, we used to get fan art. And to me, that was like the ultimate metric. <laughs> the fact that people were going out and making something inspired by something you made. And it's kind of, that was very specific to that show because not every show is going to, inspire people to have that same reaction i guess yeah that's huge i mean that's perfect you know and if you you can lean into that can't you You can say right okay let's run a fan art contest and really look at the true (laughs) percentage of people who who respond to that on the back of a request to do so and i mean that's a that's the big difference is if you then ask people to do something and they do it that's a serious engagement metric so yeah that that's a real great example and what excites you most about podcasting right now and what worries you the most uh, at where we're at right now? Um, so I think what worries me the most is is the way that Spotify are approaching it. I predicted a couple of years ago. In fact, that's no, not true. It was a year and six days ago as we're recording. <laughs> not um, that you're counting. <laughs> no, nah, not that I'm counting. Um, I predicted that Spotify would try and YouTube podcasting so they would try and and make it so that you could upload directly they would have independent shows that also have paywalled shows um and they would in particular not need rss in order to produce podcasts and syndicate podcasts to spotify and they don't and i got hammered for that really got hammered for it um some of the og in podcasting were you know very kind of disrespectful around well this guy doesn't know what he's talking about and he doesn't really understand podcasting lo and behold you know this is what spotify are doing and i truly believe that that's what they're trying to do because if i'm running a startup of that magnitude 
I've got key performance indicators that I need to hit. And one of them is, is directly served by having podcasts that are exclusive to Spotify. And, you know, Joe Rogan's deal this week proves that they're a step in the right direction for them, but maybe not for the industry. So that, to me, is the biggest threat. It's probably not a threat in the traditional sense because podcasting is much bigger than one platform. Um, but certainly I can see a time where they don't need RSS feeds, just like YouTube doesn't need RSS feeds. You know, the, you can just upload content to a platform. Um, and I think that's the biggest risk. The opportunities that come, of course, are you know, everyone else, you know, the independents that are continuing to make a living. And it's back to what we talked about a second ago, Reese, where, you know, if you can prove engagement, if you get 35% of your audience creating fan art for you, then you know 35% of your audience will do something like that the next time you ask. And that's a very powerful thing for an independent podcaster to be able to devise those tests, figure out what the, what the core numbers are for that, and to be able to then deliver on those for brands that might want to partner with them on their show for sponsorships. And the opportunity that that brings in my mind is that you can step away from a traditional CPM model into a much more fixed price model, which is better for the podcaster. It gives you opportunity to, to really, really kind of work with brands on a, on a term that suits you, the podcaster, not just a traditional advertising model. To go back to the Spotify thing as well, I mean, you're right. The accessibility of the RSS feed, for that to be eroded just and for, for that kind of the podcast world to be broken up and borders to come up, that that's probably one of my biggest concerns is that just finding what you love and discovering what you love on those platforms is going to become more difficult for, for users, which it goes against the, the whole ethos of, of, of using these platforms in the first place. I don't know if it does. I mean, I never get any letters from Netflix saying, dude, you subscribe to a YouTube channel. Why, what are you doing? That's video content. We do video content. It's not how it works. Um, and, it, you know, people use multiple platforms. Like I use YouTube, Amazon Prime Video, Netflix, Disney Plus, and also, I can't even remember, but there are others. And, you know, podcasting can be like that. There was a lot of comments this week when Joe Rogan put his show out there. And, you know, like I said, got lambasted for even suggesting a year ago that RSS might not need to be used for things like Spotify. And now other people are talking about that. And, Someone retorted that, well, it's not a podcast, air quote. It's not a podcast if it's not served by RSS. Do you know what? Who really cares? Like, who cares? Us, the podcasters. Do you know why we care about it? Because we know about it. But my mum, she doesn't care. You know, if John Bon Jovi, her <laughs> favorite singer, he does a podcast. Oh, we're, no, sorry, mum, it's not a podcast, though. It's not delivered via an RSS feed. Shut up, Mark. I can get it on Spotify. It's spoken yeah, word yeah, audio. That's true. It, it's an interview with Rich Sambora. Of course, it's a bloody podcast. So the word podcast has transcended from being um, a nice little media to actually being media. And that's the difference. That's what's happened the last two years. It's happened around us. We've seen it. And this is now where things will start to fracture. I wrote another piece a couple of years ago or a year or so ago, which was big versus indie podcasters and the gap between indie and big podcasters. And that gap will continue to widen. You know, Wondery do not make shows because they love podcasting. They make shows so that they can sell them to be movies, TV shows, books, comics, and all the rest of it. And to sell sponsorship, of course, and there's nothing wrong with that. Hernan is a great guy. He's got a great business head and that's what he does. There's nothing wrong with that, but we can't be precious about it because if we're precious about it, we end up looking backwards. And if we look backwards, we get left back there. Instead, we've got to look forwards and not be precious about the things that don't really matter too much. Having said that, 
there needs to be, in my view, a, a way of protecting the, the, the majority of the open nature of the platforms. You know, we have to protect podcasting for the independence. If the big commercial people want to go and monetize their shows and do whatever they want behind paywalls, let them crack on. The thing that we've got to protect is that independence will never be penalized for what they're already doing. Um, and we'll never lose out on opportunities based on new technology. So yeah, again, that's a bit of a diatribe, but yeah, hopefully there's something in that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think you touched on where my heart is on it because I, I like the, um, the free, the creative freedom and the celebration of like weird and bizarre ideas that people can connect with people. And that's why I like that platform is that you can always find something you're into and find someone who wants to celebrate it with you. And anything that kind of starts to threaten that environment where podcasting was born, um, I, I kind of go like, ah, you know, there, there's still some amazing content to be made. There's still some amazing discoveries to be made by every person. Um, and and people can just go out and create without anyone's permission. Uh, I, I I suppose the the, the danger of, of having it fractured off in, in, in that way is that um, it just makes it less of a of a single source community where you can just dive in and explore. There's just more that uh, trying to communicate which platform you're on, you know, what logins you need for this one. And it, I suppose it makes it more complex for the user to discover in that sense. But podcasters do need to meet people where they are, which goes back to your thing about why a website is so important because they need to get discovered in the first place. Yeah, exactly. We've got to do as much as we can to get discovered. That's the whole goal. What one piece of advice would you give someone thinking of starting a podcast right now? I think you've just got to understand that, um, you know, you can create as much as you want, but if you want to do more than just create and turn this into something that's scalable and that you really enjoy making money from, you've got to treat it like that. And there's no, there's no problem if you don't want to do that, but I think it's just about being honest about your expectations and treating your podcast as such, but don't be put off by anything, you know, really get started. Um, and just, just focus on what you want to do for the first year, you know, and everything else will just follow. Great. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks so much for, for coming on the show and talking to us. How can uh, people discover more things about you and the amazing work that you're doing? Oh, just hit me up on Twitter. That's the easiest way. Just hit me up at Mr. Asquith. And uh, yeah, always happy to help with podcasting, podcast hosting via Captivate.fm. But yeah, just hit me up on Twitter for a, a good old chat about things. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Thank you. Visit podstarter.io to find out how we can help you build the podcast you and your audience needs. To listen to more episodes, search Podstarter wherever you find your podcasts or visit our website. You can also find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Podstarter is produced in Nova Scotia, Canada by podstarter.io. Podstarter.io